Hello, hello, Ronnie here. And before I start the episode, I'm giving you a call to action right now. I'm putting you to work because after this episode, I am releasing a season one retrospective episode where we'll talk about our highlights of the season, lowlights, all that kind of fun stuff. So what I want from you is to let me know what are some of your favorite parts of the season? Do you have any thoughts on this season compared to other seasons? What are your favorite episodes this season? Do you have history with this season, like specific to this season? Let me know if there's anything you'd like to say, because I would love to include it in the upcoming episode. Check the show notes, but you can email me at dancingisforbiddenpod at gmail.com. Reach out to me on my socials at aquatinepod, or send a voice message to speakpipe.com slash dancingisforbidden. So check the show notes, however you would like to get in contact. And yeah, enjoy the show. Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden in Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through every Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode, one episode at a time, and the episode that I am watching through this week is Season 1, Episode 18, Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future. Now you listen directly to me, for I am the ghost of Christmas Past. Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future originally airing December 29th, 2002, and this is our last episode of season one. This is it. We have finished season one. I can't believe it's already over. 18 episodes down. But I'll be putting out a season one retrospective episode next week, so I'm going to hold off on that as a whole. But yeah, can't believe that this came so quickly, honestly. But again, same as Mail Order Bride, even though this was a season one episode, It wasn't released on DVD until the Volume 2 discs came out. So the Volume 1 discs came out November 18th, 2003, about 11 months after this season ended. And the Volume 2 discs came out July 20th, 2004. So you had to wait about eight more months to get your hands on these last two episodes of Aqua Teen. So this episode, same as Mel Order Bride, another Christmas episode. And while in the episode, it's supposed to be February, It was aired again in December of 2002, and it's, you know, Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the future, so there's this Christmas theme, so I hope you guys are enjoying the end of the year, and I am going to be visiting family the week that this comes out, so I don't have a whole lot of time to work on this one, so we're just going to cut to the chase, we're going to skim through our pre-episode chat and then jump right into it, but yes, hope you guys are having a fantastic end of the year. I I don't want to be too sentimental right now because I'm saving that for the season one retrospective that we'll have out next week. So, all right. Aqua Teen News. No proper news regarding the shorts or the film, as you'd expect again. It's the end of the year, so they'll probably hold off on that. But there are two little things I want to talk about real quick. First of all, on the Aqua Jail subreddit, Reddit user 4KTings asked, anyone know if the 2021 reissue DVDs are uncensored? Well, as I've mentioned on this podcast, I have two of those DVDs, two of those 2021 reprints, so I chimed in. They are indeed censored as you would find them on HBO or wherever else. They're they're not any more censored than anything else, but they're not completely uncensored. They're the same, really, as the other DVDs in terms of the content. So as I said there, I'll say it again. I've said it on the podcast before, but 
the reprints are much more basic in packaging and design than the originals. So if that's something you care about, don't get the 2021 reprints. And they're priced exactly the same as the originals were, which is pointless considering you can usually get original DVDs on eBay for like the same exact price. So I plan, as I've said, to make videos on all these DVDs. So I'll get into more detail there. I'm not going to go into it too much right here. Check the show notes for this episode. I will link my Twitter thread where I show some pictures and stuff comparing them if you're more interested in that. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to answer anything you guys might have. But all right, moving on. On Twitter, user Thoughtbreaker or at Melly Innocent made a tweet of four copies of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, the 2007 film, saying at Dana Snyder, at Dave Willis, can I get a copy that works, please? Apparently, Thoughtbreaker, and I love that I'm saying this name seriously, Thoughtbreaker had four copies and none of them played correctly. And some of them were new copies, you know, out of shrink wrap. And Dave Willis retweeted this saying, sorry, I don't think any of them have an ending that works. Meaning, you know, he doesn't like the film he, as, as we talked about in the, the Aqua Teen panel recap for the Adult Swim Festival this year. He mentioned that the original film wasn't that great. So that's kind of him making a little dig on this. So I thought that was fun that Dave is still driving this point home that he didn't like the original movie. But he, according to him, the new movie is going to be good. So poor Thoughtbreaker spending you know, probably a decent amount of money on four copies of this DVD. And I saw other users saying that they had issues with theirs. I have the DVD. I haven't checked it yet. I bought it used for like $5 off eBay. Uh, hopefully it works. If not, I already have the file digitally. But yeah, we'll see if it works or not. But all right, I'll leave this, this news segment here. What the heck was going on the week of December 29th, 2002? Let's check it out. Closing out the box office this year in 2002, of course, we have Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, one film to rule them all, bringing in the big bucks this week with a cool 48 million after its 60 whatever million the previous week. I mean, yeah, big return on investment for these films, but they deserved it because they're great movies. I say confidently, never having seen a full one before. So there's lots of trivia for this movie, but a lot of it is very specific to the film and having had seen the film, which, yeah, like I said, I haven't seen the whole thing. Or if I did, it was, you know, 15 plus years ago, so I don't remember it. But uh, I've got two little tidbits here we'll talk about real quick because I found them interesting. There were so many extras used in the sequences at Helm's Deep and the filming went on for so many months that almost all the extras and principal actors got t-shirts reading, I survived Helm's Deep. There were so many of these shirts that extras would often meet other extras in New Zealand's main cities because they would recognize the shirts. <laughs> I love that so much. It's like, oh yeah, you've got, you were on that movie too. Yeah, so was I. You know, I, it's so common. That, that's uh, very funny. And, you know, my buddy Colby at Black Shirts World, I'll, I'll put a link to his store's Instagram page. He has a lot of really cool t-shirts that I like. Um, he was on a show called Stash Raiders where... This big guy in the vintage tea scene will go to people's houses and interview them and, and show some of their rarest pieces. And yeah, Colby was talking like about how t-shirts are cool because, you, you know, you can you can form an instant connection with somebody. You see their t-shirt. You're like, oh, cool. You like that band or you like that movie or whatever. So do I. So that's like a real a real great example of this because, oh, you were on that movie. So was I. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks to Colby, of course, for letting me use his P.O. box to send out the stickers to you guys, to the patrons, because 
yeah, I thought it wasn't the best to put my home address on there, so I appreciate him. So if, if you guys get something in the mail from Black Shirts World, that's that's from me. I probably should have put the podcast name, but I wanted to put his name on there since, you know, he's being very generous, letting me use his P.O. box. Our other factoid here, as the orcs have black blood, it was only natural that the inside of their mouths should not be pink, but black as well. To achieve this, the orc actors had to swill a licorice-based mouthwash prior to each of their scenes. That's so fucking gross. I do not like licorice. I had to look up, you know, what really is licorice? I didn't know, but it's, you know, a candy mixed with some sort of root or some such thing. I don't know. I was too disgusted to even fully understand it. But I like red licorice, if that's even really considered licorice. I don't know. But that black stuff, ooh, feel bad for these these extras, these actors having to uh, get this nasty old sour stuff in their mouth. I guess sour isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. So that's our big film ending the year. No real television news that I could find. As for music ending the year, it's the same thing we've had in the last few episodes. The top single was Eminem's Lose Yourself. The top album was Shania Twain's Up. And the top alternative single was All My Life by Foo Fighters. Talked about these songs, these albums already. And again, I'm excited to jump into season two of Aqua Teen because we jump ahead to mid-2003, so we'll have a whole new set of stuff to talk about in our next proper episode. In terms of games, since it's the tail end of the year in 2002, nothing really coming out. Uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers video game came to Xbox and GameCube about a day after this episode of Aqua Teen premiered, but it had already been out on PlayStation. I did have a disc to a Lord of the Rings game Growing up, it was a demo, and and my grandma gave it to me. She got it in the mail or something. She got it somewhere, but it was just the demo. I don't know if it was to this game or or which specific Lord of the Rings movie it was, you know, tied to. But I did have some experience playing the demo to a Lord of the Rings game, and it was fun. It was it was a good time. But yeah, as for this specific Lord of the Rings game, you know, I haven't played it. But watching footage, I mean, it's it's kind of what you'd expect. You're you're fighting. You have voice actors from the movie. And it seems like time has been kind to this game. People hold it in higher regards in terms of a, of a video game based on a film. It, it seemed like a decent game. It wasn't just a simple cash grab. They actually tried to make an okay game here. So that wraps up our pop culture for the year of 2002. Now in the season one recap, I'll go over 2002 as a whole and some of 2001 because, you know, about five episodes of Aqua Teen did air in 2001. So we'll kind of go over that more there. I'm not going to load this episode up with that kind of talk. So jumping into what was airing on Adult Swim tonight, this is the big end of the year programming lineup because, you know, this is the last Adult Swim broadcast of 2002 its second year in existence its first full year because it came out september of 2001 and what do we have tonight at 10 p.m we have the oblongs with milo interrupted and that is the episode that our number one in the hood g tier patrons voted for me to cover for the patreon feed so that'll be out later this week of course if you would like to hear that please consider signing up on patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden but that's besides the point that's a great episode for some pretty heartfelt stuff um, 10.30 p.m. we have the Ripping Friends with the series finale. This is the last Ripping Friends episode. Ripping Friends picked up by Adult Swim this year and they aired out the rest of the series that wasn't aired on its original network. This episode being The Man from Next Thursday Part 2. A new episode, first time airing. And that's it for the Ripping Friends, which is great. Get it the fuck out of here. I'm done talking about Ripping Friends. 
you know, I, I, I don't remember this show at all, except for when we talk about it here on the podcast. Let's get a different show, a better show in there for next season that we can talk about. At 11 p.m., we have C-Lab 2021 with Feast of Alvis, a new episode. And then 11.15 p.m., we have Aqua Teen. This episode, Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future, the season finale of Aqua Teen, as we know. And again, a new episode. Of course, duh. At 10.30 p.m., we have The Brack Show with its own season finale, new episode, We Ski in Peace. 11.45, we have Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Curses, which is not a new episode. Following that, at midnight, we have Home Movies with My Cheatin' Heart, a rerun. And at 12.30, we close out this big night with Mission Hills, Plan 9 from Mission Hill, or I Married a Gay Man from Outer Space, which is one of my favorite cartoon episodes of all time. I think for fun, I'll just cover this on the Patreon at some point anyways, because this is an incredible episode. I mean, if you can find it online, uh, you know, I, I just saw it here on when I searched the title. Um, you should watch it. It's a really incredible episode of the show. So that is how we close out 2002 with Adult Swim. The Oblongs, Ripping Friends, Sea Lab 2021, Aqua Teen, The Brack Show, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, Home Movies, and Mission Hill. Great lineup of some classic cartoons, and I'm so interested to see how things change up for us when we jump into Season 2, which will bring us into mid-2003. See how far Adult Swim comes in those six months or, or five months or so. And real quick now, I want to point out, I looked ahead a little bit. This actually wasn't the last airing of Adult Swim in 2002. So on December 31st, New Year's Eve, they actually did air some more Adult Swim stuff. Now, none of these New Year's Eve episodes were new. I'm not going to get into naming all the episodes off, but it was all original Adult Swim shows. So we had Aqua Teen, Harvey Birdman, Brack Show, and Sea Lab. But the interesting thing is come midnight, come the new year, January 1st, they aired new episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast, Baffler Meal, which, as we all know, is the script that Aqua Teen was based on. Now, some people get it turned around. They say, oh, Aqua Teen was a spinoff of Space Ghost off of a Space Ghost episode. That's not really true, because as we've talked about on this show, the script for Baffler Meal was written before Aqua Teen, and the characters do come from that script, but the script got canned. They weren't allowed to make it. But Dave Willis and Matt Malero liked those characters enough that they decided to take them and pitch a show with those characters doing other things. And that got picked up, and then at this point, you know Aqua Teen was a pretty big success for the network. And then they got the okay to go back and make this Space Ghost episode. So yes, just two nights later, Baffler Meal airs. And of course, we will cover that at some point on the show. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's talk about this episode. Let's talk about Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the future. This week's episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by Berber. Perfect for carpeting your floor, taking you on magic carpet rides, and in a pinch, it makes for a great snack. Berber Loop Pile. Get yours at your local home improvement store today. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden, as all episodes, also brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden, who give me their hard-earned money every month so that I can continue to improve the show and to motivate me to get off my ass and make the show. So thank you to all those patrons. We have a new patron this week to thank. We've got Double Cheese signing up at the birthday dollar tier. 
Thank you so much, Double Cheese. Good to have you hanging out. As for the sticker update, it looks like some of you guys have already gotten your stickers. I've had some people tag me in pictures, videos. So thank you guys for that. I really appreciate being tagged so I know it got to you. And also it gives me something easy to share, which I very much appreciate. So not only are patrons getting stickers, but you guys also are getting extra episodes. Like I said, I'll be covering the Oblongs Milo Interrupted this week. And going into 2022, we're going to have a lot more Patreon content. And that content will kind of play more of a part of this show. So thank you guys so much. And if you can't support the show financially, but would still like to help me out, just sharing the show, posting about the show, telling somebody about Dancing is Forbidden. It does all that and more. So thank you guys for sharing the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you, of course, to the patrons who support the show financially so I can do more cool things with it. Last but not least, I would love, like I said at the beginning of this episode, if you would send in your thoughts on season one, favorite episodes, all that good stuff, send it my way. That would be awesome. Attention swimmers. We've got an aqua team premiere. Boy, I hope this isn't umami. Yeah, it's not. I'm at you little creep. We gotta be at work in an hour. Premieres next Sunday at 11.15 on Adult Swim. Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future, airing, as we know, December 29th, 2002, with a TVPGDL rating for dialogue and language, which seems fair. This is still TVPG territory. We've got a bigger voice cast this episode than most episodes, which... You know, for this show, doesn't really say a lot at all because it's such a, a small show. But we have two voice actors returning this episode, which is Matt Malero, co-creator of the show as Cybernetic Ghost, and then Chris Ward, aka MC Chris, who played MC P-Pants and is a production assistant on the show, playing young Carl. And then we have Glenn Danzig, musician Glenn Danzig from the misfits and you know the the titular Danzig playing himself in this episode which i think is the biggest celebrity they've gotten on the show outside of these other adult swim ecosystem guys or comedians danzig is a musician and this is just totally out of left field to actually have him on the episode i'll get into danzig himself once he appears in the episode but there are two information tidbits about him that were spoken by both Dave Willis and Dana Snyder that I would like to read to you guys. So in Dave Willis's AMA, which is Ask Me Anything, like a Reddit interview thing where users submit questions and then the person can answer them. Somebody asked about Dave's favorite guest on the show and, and the person asking the question mentioned Glenn Danzig being one of their favorites. And Dave says, Danzig is a good one. He kept wanting to add muscles to his design until our animator bulked, insisting that it looked too ridiculous. So Dana Snyder actually added way more context to this in an interview that he did with The Aquarian in 2010. That Dave Willis AMA, by the way, was 2015. But yeah, five years earlier, Dana Snyder had this to say about Danzig. So the interviewer said Danzig was on the show once, uh, relating to a conversation they were already having. And Dana says this, Yes, he was. Not only was he on the show, but he had approval of his character and he kept sending it back saying, I'm way more ripped than that. And then they draw him again. And finally, at one point, the animator who was doing his design had told Dave, I literally can't draw more muscles. Otherwise, he's going to look like a monster. I cannot draw him more ripped than what he is right now. Then they finally sent it to him. And then he looked at it and said, well, I'm way taller than this. He was looking at a piece of paper with his character and nothing else on it. It's not like he had a chair coming up to his shoulder. 
So that's what it was like working with Glenn Danzig on this episode. He wanted his character to be even more ripped because in the episode, he has no shirt on. So you see his muscles and Danzig is known for his uh, muscular physique. So I guess he just wanted more and more and more. But besides the voice cast in this one, we have Ben Prisk coming aboard to do the stills for the story sequences for whenever the cybernetic ghost is speaking. So Ben also worked on the stills in the outro of the show that take over after a handful of episodes, I believe in Old Drippy, somewhere around there. We, we discuss it on this podcast. But yeah, those, those visual images like of, of Lincoln and, and the Aqua Teens on the moon and stuff, those are all done by Ben. So he is joining in on this episode to do stuff that's actually in the episode. And he would pop back up a few more times on the episode Supercomputer and the Dressing in season two of the show. But Ben went on to work on Squidbillies. He did a lot of the backgrounds on that show. And most recently, he did a music video for Sufjan Stevens and Angelo de Augustine for their Back to Oz song, which I'll link that in the show notes. If you check it out, you can definitely see Ben's art style in that video. I'm a big Sufjan Stevens fan, so it's cool to see the little connection here between Aqua Teen and a musician I like. So that is really all of the cast and crew I wanted to touch on for this episode. Of course, way more people involved in making the show, but those are the ones that I wanted to point out. The last thing I wanted to mention here is, even though this is a season one episode, it wasn't the volume two disc, and the, the volume one DVD set, which had most of season one, only had so many commentaries, like a couple, this was on the Volume 2 disc, which meant that it was considered for another passive commentary, and this one did receive commentary. So, of course, I listened to that one, and as most commentaries for this show, they're entertaining to listen to, but you only can get so much information from them, because it's usually the guys just messing around and chatting and stuff. But there were a few interesting things I gleaned from the commentary that I will be using throughout this episode. All right, so let's talk about the cold open here, the last Dr. Weird skit of season one. And this one is probably the most underwhelming. It's only about five or six seconds. We open in on Dr. Weird's lab, and then some giant purple monster hand with black nails reaches down from the sky, pulls off the lab, and destroying it. And then we see Dr. Weird and Steve running across the bridge. Dr. Weird is yelling, run, fat boy, run. And that's the whole thing. It's very short, so not worth playing here. But yeah, that, that's our last cold open of the season. But of course, in season two, we get plenty more Dr. Weird skits. So it's not like that's the last one ever. And it goes without saying that this Dr. Weird skit has nothing to do with the episode of Aqua Teen, as we've come to really expect at this point. So the episode proper begins after the intro, and we get Carl sleeping on his bed and then the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future approaches him. So real quick to describe him, he is a robot. There is no ghostly feature to him. So it's funny that he describes himself as a ghost, even though it's just a robot. But he is mostly gray. His head looks almost like a medieval helmet, you know, that, that would cover most of your face. But then he has what looks like a duck bill and then a, a mohawk looking thing on the top of his head. And then his chest is, is not really worth describing but you see some gears in it and you see his kind of spine go all the way through him you also have some gold embellishments on him his right arm in this shot looks kind of like a human arm but but robotified and then his left arm his hand on that arm is like a scissor and 
Fun fact here is that this scissor arm changes sides right here. It's on the left side. It's his left hand is the scissor. But in other shots, it'll be his right hand is the scissor. It's just whatever way they need him to be facing. They just flip the image around. And his feet are pretty big. They're not quite duck feet, but they kind of remind me of that considering he has like a duck bill. He looks almost aquatic in nature a little bit. The last thing I'm going to mention here before I play this clip is whenever he enters or whenever he starts to tell a story, you see smoke start to fly across the screen, which in the commentary, they say it's actual smoke from a smoke machine that they had. And they jokingly said it was bought from Sam's Club. So I can't tell if that was real or not, but potentially this smoke machine from Sam's Club. So, all right, yeah, let's jump into the clip. Again, notice how quickly we get into the action. Carl's just sleeping and then the cybernetic ghost breaks in and starts assaulting him with his uh, wordage, I suppose. Batman, arise. Uh, oh, God. Now you listen directly to me. For I am the ghost of Christmas past, and I have come to show you what Christmas was like. All right. This <laughs> was Christmas for little Carl in 1968. Okay, so before we move to Christmas for little Carl in 1968, there's a little bit to talk about here. So first of all, the cybernetic ghost breaks in, but we see he doesn't come from Carl's door and it's not really clear, like he comes from the bathroom, but it doesn't make sense how he would have gotten in that side of the house without going through Carl's door. doesn't really make sense how he breaks in, but, but still silly that he just, you know, barges in. They're just cutting right to the action here. The robot says that he is the ghost of Christmas past, which is a play on the 1843 novella, A Christmas Carol, you know, with Ebenezer Scrooge and, and, and the ghost of Christmas past and that who comes in and shows him the uh, Christmas spirits and all that stuff. But instead of really teaching Carl a lesson here. The ghost just shows him his shitty Christmas when he was a kid. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. Also, I appreciate that when Carl wakes up, he's kind of like, he has he's still laying in the bed when he's talking to the ghost. He just has his, his elbow up and he's kind of like just boredly looking over at the robot. It's a really funny image because the animation is so limited in the show. So believe it or not, there's more that I want to talk about. And that is the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future's voice. Matt Malero voicing this character, but is obviously affected. But you might notice that the audio I'm playing maybe isn't as affected as the audio you're used to. And that is because there are actually two different versions of his voice that I discovered while making this episode, and I could find nothing about. So I can't really explain why, but I have my theories. But let me, let me play you what I mean. So here is the version that we hear on the DVD. Batman. Arise! Uh, oh God! Now you listen directly to me, for I am the ghost of Christmas past, and I have come to show you what Christmas was like. Okay, so you guys just heard that, but I want to play it just so it's fresh in your mind. Now here is how it sounds on HBO Max. Batman, arise! Uh, oh God! Now you listen directly to me, for I am the ghost of Christmas past, and I have come to show you what Christmas was like. So let me just take a couple words and play them back to back just so I can really drive this point home. Now you listen directly to me. Now you listen directly to me. So at this point, I'm sure you guys can understand what's going on here. So 
Why this is, I don't know. I wanted to reach out to Dave Willis and ask, but I assumed he wouldn't respond to me because I've tagged him in things before. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll ask him if I ever get to interview him for the show. So for now, we're not entirely sure. But my hypothesis is on the DVD during the commentary, you can hear some of the audio in the background and it sounds like the HBO version. Okay. And they say, oh, yeah, a lot of people couldn't understand what the cybernetic ghost was saying. So what I think happened is they dialed back the effects on his voice because the DVD version that you get in the actual episode without the commentary is the cleaner version that I'm playing on this podcast. But what I think happened is the TV version that was played on television is the highly affected version, and that is the copy that HBO Max got. So they have the very highly affected voice that is hard to understand for some people, which I agree, it is a bit harder to understand. But on the DVDs, they cleaned it up so that you know people could, could understand more what this guy was saying, because his voice is affected on the DVD. It's just not as heavily processed. And looking on YouTube, I can see some clips that used to be on Adult Swim's website, and that is the HBO Max version with the more affected voice. Um, that's really all there is to say about this. Real quick, I'm going to play from Aquadonk side pieces. The preview we got had the cybernetic ghost. I'm going to play what his voice sounds like now. He's breaky being cybernetic assassin, model X100 disguised as a breakdancing toy. So it's kind of a middle ground between the HBO Max version that we can hear now, the, the uh, syndicated televised version, it seems, and the DVD version. It's a little bit more affected than the DVD version, but not as heavily affected as the live TV version, I suppose. And actually, I lied. There's one more thing I'd like to mention, and that is, as I pointed out several times now, there are some differences between the 2021 DVD reprints and the original DVD prints, and I'm not sure which voice ended up on the Volume 2 2021 reprint. I assume that's just a straight copy of the original DVD, but I don't know. So, I mean, if anybody has that new version, let me know. I, I assume it's probably just a copy of the original DVD, but again, who knows? And before we jump back in, of course, the cybernetic ghost, or I guess versions of him, show up later in the, in the series. So in other episodes, when he shows up, we'll jump back into his voice again and see how they've changed it from this episode. So, okay, now that that's out of the way, we are talking about Carl's Christmas back in 1968. We open in on an incredibly drab living room scene where we see Carl's dad, who looks like an older Carl. You know, he, he has the mustache, he's balding, all that stuff. He's wearing an orange jumpsuit and he's sitting on a recliner chair that has duct tape all over it because, you know, you assume there's holes and they just duct tape the holes up. And so we have his dad sitting there. We have little Carl, who looks literally like Carl now, just scaled down and then with no mustache and a, a little bit younger in some features. But, you know, there's no body hair or anything, but he is balding, which is incredibly sad. He's supposed to be like eight years old and he's already balding. But he, he has, you know, the, the wife beater undershirt on, the, the blue sweatpants, the green sandals. And back to this apartment, there is just holes all over the place, like in, in the wallpaper, which also looks like there's molding going on all over the place, especially on the ceiling. There are holes in the carpet, kind of like Meatwad's room. We see a, a Christmas tree quote. It's more like a branch, really, with some beer bottles and, and cans on it as decorations. And then there's also a calendar on the wall with a bikini-clad woman we see. So not really appropriate for a little kid to be hanging around. And then the last thing is we see a gas mask on the right side of the frame here of, the, of this scene. And that will come into play soon. And we, we also see Carl holding 
a brown paper bag. That's his Christmas present. It wasn't wrapped. It, it's just in a brown paper bag. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I hope this is a new mommy. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Unwrap it, you little creep. We gotta be at work in an hour. What is this, dude? What? Is this carpet, Daddy? Carpet? No, no. It's Berber. That's an industry term. <laughs> hey, it's like a flyer magic carpet here. Look at this. I'm flying around <laughs> yeah, in Egypt. That's playing. cute. Don't get too attached there, Aladdin, because it's about to be magic flying dinner. You can't eat carpet, <laughs> silly daddy. No, of course you can't like that. You gotta boil it till the glue gets soft, you know? Oh, jeez, look at the time. But it's Christmas, You're Daddy. You're not getting out of this. Put on your work boots and your respirator. <laughs> I had to pull a lot of strings to get him to hire an eight-year-old. Don't make me go. I don't want to make insulation. Come on, you're late. Oh, God. The scene ends very nonsensically. There's a giant robot uh, chicken kind of foot comes down from the ceiling and starts uh, stomping around with lasers going off. They'll address that once Carl starts speaking. Uh, spoiler, that didn't actually happen, but the rest of it seemed to be true. In the apartment, I forgot to mention, instead of curtains, they just have a uh, sheet kind of nailed over the window. But poor Carl getting a small square of carpet for Christmas that turns out they're supposed to eat. It is a, a little purple square of carpet. According to IMDb, Carl's dad calling this Berber is incorrect. The sample young Carl holds is clearly a cut pile type, most likely Saxony which is another type of carpet. So I looked into this a bit, and from what I could make out, this seems to be true to me. It didn't actually seem to be Berber, but I am not an expert in carpets. So, you know, I, I could be wrong with this, but I think this is correct when, when IMDb does say that it's not really Berber. So enough of the carpet talk that I'm sure you guys are going absolutely nuts over. MC Chris here playing little Carl, as you can hear, and Dave Willis playing Carl's dad. In the commentary, they did quite a bit of joking about how Carl's dad's voice isn't really that different from Carl's. Dave Willis tried to say it is, but, you know, it, it's, it's pretty much the same voice. Maybe a little more laid back. We see Carl unwrapping, I suppose, the, the carpet. And then there's an Aladdin reference. And this is supposed to be in 1968. Aladdin didn't come out until the 90s. So, you know, uh, they kind of fucked up there with, with the uh, storyline and the continuity. Of, of the timeline in which this takes place because Aladdin doesn't come out for almost, you know, 25 plus more years. The scene ends up with Carl's dad saying, all right, now put on the gas mask and your work boots. It's time for little eight-year-old Carl to go to work. Even on Christmas, Carl doesn't want to go. And it's just very sad that <laughs> this is the situation that Carl grew up in. And it explains a lot as to why he is the way he is. But also, I feel like he did end up somewhat pretty well adjusted considering this awful upbringing he had where he had to work from eight years old at some sort of factory and his dad was you know abusive making him work christmas as a child that young and also you know making him eat carpet <laughs> the last little tidbit we can glean from this scene is is carl has gap teeth when he's talking so it kind of implies that he got braces at some point as mentioned in the commentary that you know that that's what it would seem so interesting that they seem to be very badly off, financially speaking, but Carl was still able to get braces, so, so I'm glad he was able to at least get that. And last but not least, I touched on that calendar earlier with the bikini-clad woman. Looking up December 1968, a calendar page of it, the dates on this do not correspond to the real calendar in 1968. They have Christmas falling here on a Friday, while in 1968, Christmas fell on a Wednesday. 
Now, there are a few possibilities here. Either they had not changed the page of the calendar yet because in October of 1968, the 25th was on a Friday and everything else lines up on the calendar. Otherwise, this could be an old calendar from years previous. I looked up and December 1964 would match up with the calendar that they have up because Christmas did fall on a Friday that year. But okay, I think we're ready to jump back into the episode. Let's see what Carl has to say about all of this. And I want to point out, I'm not entirely sure how Carl saw this. If the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future just told him about all of this, or if he gave Carl the vision somehow, it's not entirely clear. And I forgot to mention at the beginning, but it's funny that the cybernetic ghost breaks in and then calls Carl Fat Man, but then later calls him Carl. So like he knows his name. He just called him fat for no reason. But okay, let's jump back in, see what Carl had to say about his Christmas in 1968. And remember, it ended with uh, a robot chicken foot or whatever coming down and stomping and lasers going off, stuff setting on fire, all that stuff. You remember that Christmas, don't you? No, I, you know, I remember eating carpet. <laughs> Not so much the lasers and the robots, though. The war of man against machine raged on through the early 70s. You don't remember because back then it was only a prophecy. Yeah. But now in the future, <laughs> the past has occurred. Hey, just hang on a second, okay? <laughs> sure. You're the ghost of Christmas Pass, right? That is correct. Okay, well, I mean, you know that it's February, right? I am a robot. Well, uh, you know, obviously. <laughs> what are you, stupid? <laughs> well, well, no, I'm. Well, I will see you in December. Tomorrow. Okay, whatever there. Just uh, lock your door and away. Do what? Never mind, just leave! Cybernetic ghost almost hitting us with a do what now. So this is the part of the podcast where I tell you guys this episode is going to be kind of difficult for me because the cybernetic ghost just rattles on and on and on. As you know, like that's his character trait. And it's not really interesting for me to just regurgitate everything that he says and and try and explain every single joke since I feel like, you know, you guys get them, right? Like, it's not like it really needs explaining. So I'll do the best I can going forward. But yeah, that that's his character trait is being super verbose, but also very, you know, just stupid for lack of a better term, because he's not really saying anything half the time. He's just speaking on and on and on, almost like Ignignacht. But, you know, this is just in a, it, taking it to the extreme where he has this flowery kind of language that doesn't really mean anything. But the main points of what happens here is the robot says that there was some sort of robot war that went on throughout the 70s, but Carl doesn't remember it because it was only a prophecy at the time, which, you know, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. But then Carl eventually can get through to him, interrupt him to say, you're the ghost of Christmas past, right? Well, it's February. <laughs> Christmas has passed. So the cybernetic ghost leaves saying, I'll see you in December tomorrow. And as Carl's saying, lock the door on the way out, you just hear a giant crash sound. So we're about to see what that crash sound was. Carl goes to the door, his front door, and the robot just absolutely broke through it. So there's a huge hole in the front of Carl's house. Oh, great. Hey, Carl. What? Why are you here? What else happens? My car messed Sorry, up. Sorry, listen, I wouldn't bother you Something's like this. Something's wrong with my roof, isn't it? What? The robot's <laughs> on my roof, right? He's ripping up my shingles. What? Carl, just he? relax. Listen, this, this is totally... Not a big deal. Shake outside, telling Carl that there's something going on. It's totally not a big deal. And when we see what it is, basically Carl's pool is just filled with blood. The water has turned to blood. 
And interesting that Shake would even care to come tell Carl about this. And it's it's interesting, like like if he did, I would expect Shake to be complaining, like, "Hey, Carl, clean your pool. I can't swim in this or whatever." But he's he's kind of nice about it. It's kind of a weird use of Shake because I feel like this isn't really his personality. They're just using him as a plot device to to keep things moving. If anything, you would expect it to be any of the other Aqua Teens telling this to Carl. Although Shake is kind of like kind of laughing about it a little bit, but. Like I said, I would expect him to be mad that he can't swim in the pool. So let's jump back in where Carl goes to his backyard to see what's going on. This is a big deal. It's a very big deal. What is this? <laughs> Look, at first I thought this was that stuff that turns red when you pee in it. Because I had to pee here a number of times. But look at it, Carl. That's blood, my friend. Damn. It's like someone wrung out a herd of cows to a juicer or something. This is not cow blood, Carl. This is elfin blood. Who would do something like this to me? Frylock revealing that it's elfin blood, and I want to mention that in the previous episode, Mail Order Bride, there was lots of speak of elfin hair. Meatwad didn't want hair from an elf, and in this episode, we're getting elf blood filling Carl's pool, which, you know, elves are pretty small, so that probably had to be a lot of elves slaughtered <laughs> to fill this pool, which is just awful. But we hear the Frydar here, which hasn't had an appearance off the top of my head, since episode 13, Love Mummy, when Frylock is, you know, scoping out the mummy in the crawl space. And seeing all the episodes after that, I can't remember there ever being an instance of the Frydar, so I'm pretty sure that this is the last instance. So it's kind of cool they brought the Frydar back to close out season one, since they used it a lot in the earlier episodes. I like in that clip, Shake admits to peeing in the pool a couple of times, which we already knew he used the bathroom, but every time they bring it up, it's still funny to me imagining that he has the organs to pee like you you know because he's just a cup you don't see anything there so where is he peeing from his straw i don't know my fiance hannah cannot imagine how anybody would pee in the pool and you know i know that she always thinks so much less of me when i explain like when i was a kid i peed in the pool man you're just a kid you don't know any better but shake here is an adult he is 30 or 40 years old as established in a later episode so you think he might know a little better. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't pee in the pool as an adult knowing how gross that is. But, you know, as a kid, hey, you don't know any better. Peeing in the pool is something I would expect Meatwad to do, although I assume he probably does too. But all right, jumping back into this episode of Aqua Teen, Carl's asking, who would do this to me? Who would fill my pool with elfin blood? Let's find out who did it. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, wait. I did it. So why did you <laughs> fill Carl's pool with blood? Well, this is going to take a long time. So you may want to get some snacks. No, no, that's all right. I think I can wait for it. Well, I'm going to get food. <laughs> I want to mention real quick before we jump into the Cybernetic Ghost story. This is the first time we start to see some of these Ben Prisk stills. So I'll kind of talk about some of them. I'm not going to describe every single one because that gets a little redundant. But I like Shake says he's going to get food. And it's not really clear where he's going because... We are in Carl's backyard by his pool, and Shake walks past the sliding doors to the right, meaning I don't know if he's going around to the front of Carl's house to go into Carl's house to get food. You think he would just go through the back doors if he was going to go into Carl's house, you know, unashamedly. But yeah, it, this would be a, a weird path for him to take to get into his own house. He would go the other way. But of course, to set up the scene, they kind of have to, uh, for the shot, have him walk this way. Otherwise, you wouldn't see him really go anywhere. But all right, back to the cybernetic ghost story. Of course, as he goes to tell his story, we see that signature fog come across the screen, and then we jump into Ben Prisk's stills as the cybernetic ghost kind of narrates what's going on. 
Thousands of years ago, before the dawn of man as we knew him, there was Sir Santa of Claws, <laughs> an ape-like creature making crude and pointless toys out of dino bone and his own waste, hurling them at chimp-like creatures with crinkled hands, regardless <laughs> of how they behaved the previous year. These so-called toys were buried as witches and defecated upon and hurled at predators who were awoken by the searing grunts of the children. It wasn't a holly jolly Christmas that year, for many were killed. Interesting here how when Cybernetic Ghost told Carl about his own Christmas, we actually saw the scene while... For the rest of the cybernetic ghost talking, he just narrates what happens while we get these stills. Kind of a, a funny difference between the two. But again, cybernetic ghost rambles on and on and on. So I'm just going to hit the plot points of what he really brought up here. Basically, Santa was an ape-like creature called Sir Santa of Claws. And this creature would make toys out of dinosaur bones and his own waste. The Ben Prisk drawings we get are, are these crude, yeah, toys like a kite and stuff made out of dinosaur bones. And Sir Santa of Claws would throw these crude toys at smaller chimp-like creatures. And as Cybernetic Ghost is talking about this, it shows him talking and behind him is just flames. <laughs> like It doesn't make any sense. He explains how, how they would be punished regardless of if they were naughty or nice. And then basically all of this results in a massacre. Lots of creatures died that very first Christmas. So let's jump back in because Frylock is going to ask, what does this have to do with anything? Well, that still doesn't tell me why. I'm not finished. You should have gotten a snack. <laughs> a warlike race of elves from the Red Planet landed on the ice-encased Earth, and they were immediately enslaved by the unevolved Santa ape to make his confused toys using galactic elfin technology for evermore sanchionados. <laughs> toys were made into recognizable shapes and given names like Train. But these toys were also thrown at predators and defecated upon because they were so stupid. Christmas still sucked in a big way. <laughs> That's gotta be my favorite line from this episode. Christmas still sucked in a big way. <laughs> um, so the gist of this one is the elves were aliens who landed on Earth, which was all icy at that point, even though previously when it showed the Santa of Claus, it wasn't icy. But anyways. Yeah, the elves landed, and then Santa Claus enslaved them, forcing them to make toys. And because they were so advanced, the toys were more advanced. They weren't just made out of dinosaur bones and, and dung and all that stuff. They were made, you know, similar to toys that we would see these days. And at, at a certain point, Matt Malero says something that sounds like Spanish, and, and I couldn't figure out what it was, unfortunately. It's not written out in the subtitles but in the commentary they kind of reference it and i think that dave willis is trying to get matt malero to explain what this means but he doesn't which is a big bummer so any spanish speakers if you could shed some light on this for me that'd be great but i couldn't figure it out but yeah the toys got more advanced but they were still used to be thrown at predators and also they were defecated upon because you know the creatures back then were still very primitive i know i haven't mentioned much of the visual element yet and that's really something I, I, I'm kind of deciding in the moment not to do a whole lot because we would be here all day because there's so many slides. Uh, but I do want to mention that the elf design here is really cool. They have oxygen tubes in their mouths, something you would probably see from a scuba diver or something. I think it's a cool design. Those are red. And I guess I shouldn't say it's necessarily oxygen. It could, you know, it's whatever they need to breathe. The elves are green. They're these kind of Martian looking things. I think that was really creative of them to do. 
But yeah, just watch the episode. I'm sure you've seen it, but these are really worth seeing. So again, Christmas sucked in a big way, and Meatwad is about to interject. Boy, this is a long story, you know. Maybe um, I will get something to eat. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'm going to get uh, drunk while I listen to you. <laughs> so about this blood... Let's just wait for them. Frolic goes to ask a question, but Cybernetic Ghost says, let's just wait for them. He wants to wait for everyone to be there for him to continue to tell the story. And... I'm interjecting here because there is seven seconds of silence of Frylock and the cybernetic ghost just awkwardly standing there looking at each other and stuff. So I cut that out. So let's jump back in after that seven seconds of awkward silence. So you've been in the neighborhood long or? Well, I mean, we moved here next to Carl. About All right, we're back Thousands here. of years ago, the ice had made the globe innavigable. Santa ape did not know what a North Pole was. How could he? He was born before science existed, so he arbitrarily placed his workshop right here, long before they unionized. And Christmas was celebrated at each full moon in front of the great red ape. Wait, 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 wait. I really love the small talk between the cybernetic ghost and Frylock. And as soon as Carl and Meatwad come back outside, the cybernetic ghost just instantly launches back into his story. I want to mention real quick, we see Carl standing there uh, in the sliding door once he opens it with the cooler from Dumber Days with the blood still on it. So that's pretty gross using that same cooler asset we saw before. And Meatwad has a sandwich in his mouth. It's really cute. He has a, a, a large, you know, footlong sandwich sticking out of his mouth and he's smiling as they're coming out. Really nice of Carl to give Meatwad this sandwich because, you know, they're coming from Carl's house. So, yeah, it seems like Carl always kind of has a soft spot for Meatwad, which we will see in future episodes. Cybernetic Ghost jumps back into his story, basically just revealing that the Santa Claus creature got lost and then it built its house right where Carl's house is, or, or rather its workshop. Santa's workshop was where Carl's house is in New Jersey. And that's why all this is happening to Carl. Frylock does interrupt him, though, because Cybernetic Ghost mentions something about unionizing. So Frylock interrupts. He's about to ask about that. Who? Who unionized? Wouldn't you like to know? Probably your mama. <laughs> hey, she said that they had to open their toys in front of an ape and they were all made out of doo-doo. What kind of Christmas is that? It's okay, Meatwad. This is all a bunch of bull. You don't believe? <laughs> believe what? That you're a ghost and that Santa Claus is an ape? That's Was the most ridiculous- an ape. Now he is a machine. I love cookies <laughs> and a glass of milk for a machine? No, man, he's an ape. I mean, wait, he is a machine. You are trying to mess me up on purpose. But I thought everyone back then was undeveloped. Couldn't make machines with their crinkled hands. But the elves came from the red planet, and there was much defecation. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. How long ago did you say this was? Thousands of years ago. <laughs> you still haven't explained why the pool is filled with elf blood. I, I mean, told you earlier. It was the great circuiting. You didn't mention no great circuiting. Oh, I didn't. I love how stupid the cybernetic ghost is. That's a great thing that they do on this show is make the villains, even though he's not really a villain apart from, you know, destroying Carl's front door and then putting blood in his pool. They make these like characters just so dumb, but lots of great moments here. Cybernetic ghost getting snappy. He's like, wouldn't you like to know? Probably yo mama. <laughs> it's just so bizarre for this, this robot to say that who's supposed to be all knowing and all this stuff. And yeah, Meatwad is upset by the story, and then Frylock kind of calms him down, saying, you know, this is all BS, it's all made up, this isn't true, and the cybernetic ghost gets angry because, you know, he's like, oh, it is true, 
And I love when the cybernetic ghost goes to launch back into explaining this with thousands of years ago, and then and then the smoke comes back in and the music starts up again. I love that false start kind of stuff where then they cut it off because because Frolic interrupts him again. But this bit ends with the cybernetic ghost explaining. I told you earlier it was the great circuiting. That's why Carl's pool is filled with elf blood because that's what they're trying to find out. Why is his pool filled with elf blood? Why did you fill it with elf blood? Because cybernetic ghost admitted that he did it and. So far, we're however many minutes in, and he hasn't explained anything about this. So we're going to launch into it. We just get like a time lapse here. The cybernetic ghost starts telling a story, and it cuts him off, and it goes from daytime. They are outside in the daytime, and I'd like to point out that it, it's it's February, but again, Carl is wearing just, just his normal clothes out in the cold, and you know, the Aquatines as well don't have anything on to keep them warm. And, and speaking of something we talked about in the previous episode, Mail Order Bride, in that episode, I pointed out how Meatwad and Frylock had very loud mic static whenever they spoke. I'm not noticing it here. A little bit on Meatwad, but Frylock's mic, or rather Carrie Means' mic, is, is fixed at this point, whatever the issue was. Okay, so I'm going to play this time lapse. We, we get a little bit of dialogue at the end, and then I'll, I'll cut back in and explain what's going on. Thousands of years ago, before the dawn of man as we knew him, there was a creature named the Sir Mother. And that is where babies come from. <laughs> For machines. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. But yeah, it, it went from daytime to nighttime. I'm not sure if any of you guys are familiar with Xavier Renegade Angel, which is another show that aired on Adult Swim. I believe it started in 2007. One of my favorite shows. I'm a huge fan of shitty 3D animation, and that show on purpose is made to look very bad. And this cybernetic ghost character almost seems like a prototype for Xavier, because Xavier is this know-it-all character that thinks he's the smartest guy in the world, and that's kind of how the cybernetic ghost is. They're not completely comparable, but I get like the same vibe from them. Of they're so confident in the bullshit that they're spewing that doesn't make any sense. But all right, you know, cybernetic ghosts launch into this story to explain again why Carl's pool is filled with blood and what the great circuiting was. And then we get this time lapse and then he ends up saying, oh, that's where babies come from for machines. So it's nighttime and they're actually grilling out at this point. Shake has pulled out his recliner. He's sitting in his, in his recliner next to Carl's pool. He has a plate with a steak on it, a complete, a finished steak a cooked steak, and on the grill, he has another steak and two hot dogs. This grill asset, the same one we saw in episode six, Space Conflict from Beyond Pluto, the one that Oglethorpe and Emery were using, and now the Aquatines have. Uh, I assume it's not supposed to be the same grill, but, you know, uh, visually it's the same grill, the same model of grill, let's say. And I want to point out too here that this is the first time we've seen Shake listening to the story, because right as a cybernetic ghost began, he said you might want to get some snacks, and Shake left to get snacks, and then he wasn't there for any of the previous stories. So he, he showed up at some point after the cybernetic ghost started explaining the great circuiting. So, okay, let's jump into this long clip. I didn't really want to cut it up. There's no need to, but apologies for its length. But I want to point out here that Carl and Frylock are both sleeping at this point. Carl with seven beer cans scattered around him. He's laying down on some patio furniture, like a uh, lawn chair. Boy, that's some story. That kind of is different from what I remember being told about, you know, people loving each other and, you know, physically. <laughs> no, that is very wrong. You cling to your pathetic fable of fluid exchange. I am talking. Ooh, I'm sorry. I nodded off. <laughs> What'd I miss? Well, you should have been listening, because he said that the elves try to unionize, because Santa Ape was using their machines. 
and then that turned into a war between the AFZ machines and the machines one. And then this here, this, this here where we're standing on, this is elephant playground. It is a graveyard. Graveground. <laughs> so, and that's why the pool is filled with blood, because he over there that ghost, he's haunting it, because Carl desecrated it, because he lives here. <laughs> Something, too, about babies. Babies get made that way. Carl, did you get all that? Hey, Carl, wake <laughs> up. You wasted. <laughs> what? You didn't hear a word he said, did you? Oh, I guess not. What'd he say? I hate to be a buzzkill, but he said that your house is on elf graves and they're pissed off. All right, fine. We'll do that. Uh, the blood <laughs> is going to keep flowing. Unless, uh... Unless Carl pays tribute to the elfin elders in space. I'll do it. What do I do? You must give up yourself to the great red ape. Okay. How much? Sexually. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> a great classic Carl response of, well, oh, wonderful. <laughs> he has to give himself up sexually to the great red ape. But backing up there, Meatwad just kind of sums everything up for us, which is really nice, really great plot device, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, to, to just, you know, get everyone caught up as to what's going on. Basically, Carl is being haunted by the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future. And I like how when, when Meatwad says that, he, he just uh, clamps his little scissor hand there. Um, yeah, he's being haunted by him because Carl's house is built on the old Santa's workshop, which was turned into an elven graveyard. And the only way to cleanse himself of the curse is for Carl to have sex with the great red ape, which doesn't make any sense at all, even in that respect, because the red ape, you assume is Santa of Claus, and you would think, you know, he's the one who, who enslaved the elves and killed them, so why does he, you know, kind of dictate how this haunting goes? Doesn't really make sense, but but still, very fun. And then Carl assumed by giving himself up, he he had to pay money for this to go away, but no, he has to have sex with the, with the great red ape, and then from there, we instantly cut to inside Carl's house, and he has all of his stuff boxed up. He's moving. He, he's not going to do that. And we get this cool pan across of Carl's room with all the boxes. We have a box that used to say kitchen stuff, but that's crossed off. It now says bedroom. And we have one that says cologne, one that says tank tops. We have one box for porn tapes, then another box for porn mags. The porn mag box used to say books, but that was crossed off. And mentioned in the commentary is it's funny how Carl separates his uh, porn mags and his porn tapes. And then there's another box that used to say books that now says sweatpants. And also on top of it, it says bedroom. And then there's one last box that says bathroom that is open and ready for more stuff to be put into it. So Carl is standing there in just a towel. He's about to take a shower. And, you know, we see he's hairy, but there's also like little moles or something on him that I don't think that we really see often when he has his shirt off. I think they kind of dropped this idea, but I could be wrong. We'll see next time he has no shirt on. But Frylock is there talking to him about what's going on. Hey, man, you know, you don't have to move. You could do that other thing that the robot <laughs> talked about. Look, I know it's been a while, right? But uh, I'm not going to get humped by a giant red gorilla in space, okay? No, thank you. <laughs> now get lost. I got a guy coming over here to hopefully put it off on my bloody house. I don't need you here freaking him out. Oh, God! Whoa. I tell you what. Why don't you go next door and use our bathroom? That's just what I want to do is, uh, you know, get nude in your house. <laughs> so Carl getting covered in blood because his entire water supply on his property has been converted to elven blood. But the interesting bit here, first of all, is Carl saying somebody put an offering on his house is that Frylock says, why don't you use our bathroom? So at this point in the show's history, I guess, it's established that they do have a bathroom, they have a shower. Now, later on, they'll say, oh, we don't have a bathroom, we use either a hole in the floor 
or a pile of clothes in the hallway. That's that's more season two territory. They're not quite so depraved here in season one. They they have a bathroom, they have a shower, it's established, but eventually that gets dropped, but not quite yet. So as I said, somebody put an offer in Carl's house. Finally, you know, his house is always for sale. There's always a for sale sign, and I don't think he ever really mentions it until this episode. Well, I know for sure up until this episode, he doesn't mention it, but I think the rest of the series, he never gets any more offers. But I could be wrong. We'll see as we go on. But guys, we get a Schooly D cut here, bringing the voice cast on this episode up to eight, which is the largest voice cast this season so far. And yeah, let's see what our Schooly D cut is. And I'm glad they brought one back for the final episode of season one because. You know, it, it was in Rabot, and they were so prevalent throughout this season that I'm glad we end on one as well. So all we do is see Carl's for sale sign, and Schoolie D will give us his thoughts on what's going on. Oh, Carl, how are you going to sell this house full of blood, Jaden? That background noise you guys heard was the sound of blood, because while that's going on, they slap on a sticker that says recently renovated, and it's just covered in blood, and there's blood dripping off of it. So moving on to our next clip, we have Carl giving Danzig a tour of the house. So as mentioned, Danzig is a singer. He was in the band Misfits and then also his own band called Danzig, which their big song is Mother, a song you've probably heard and a song that I love. Let's let's check out a little bit of Mother. Super catchy song, and I wanted you guys to hear Danzig's singing voice so you can appreciate his speaking voice, how kind of quiet it is in comparison to his singing voice where he's like belting. And I want to point out this is, I don't want to say his first, but one of his earliest acting gigs. He's done a couple since then. It might be his first for all I know. It, it was kind of hard to tell on his IMDb the way it's all split up, but normally he would just play himself in things. And that's what he's considered doing here, although he's obviously reading lines and acting. So he's not really just playing himself. He's playing a character based on himself. Anyways, yeah, this is this is one of his earliest gigs. And I really wish I knew how he got in touch with the show. You have to assume he was a fan and asked to be on the show. Uh, one of those things I'll ask Dave if I ever get to talk to him because I couldn't find anything about it online. So let's jump into this longish clip of Carl giving Danzig a tour. Yeah, so it's a full, you know, full three, two. We got good schools here. We got the uh, bonus room there with the... We shall go to Mexico tomorrow. With the shrieking robot. And there he is. <laughs> and uh, in the summertime, you got this. I got a question. How long does this blood last? Uh, I don't know. You know, let me uh, let me talk to my blood guy here. He's, the elfin uh, blood will flow forever for eternity from the elfin graves. Forever. <laughs> this is f***ing great. I'm going to line this thing with gargoyles for the sacrifices. What's your name again? Danzig, Huh. Now, uh, is there a way to get the blood to flow up the walls? I don't see why not. <laughs> That's good, right? <laughs> Going up a wall? That's elf blood, too. That's not cheap, you know. How much you want? Oh, I don't know. You know, maybe, uh, I don't know. A million? Killer. Draft a check tomorrow. You're serious. Thank you, God! Carl getting a cool mill for this house because of its new blood-oriented features. So they start the tour in the living room, and there's more boxes. Some of them say food, something tape. I can't see what it fully says because the cybernetic ghost is standing in the way. But one says porno tapes again. There's kitchen stuff. Yeah, just boxes everywhere. 
Danzig's character, he is a muscular man with long black hair. He has a pendant around his neck, with no shirt on, and black pants, black shoes, with a belt buckle that is the logo for the band Samhain, as well as Danzig's solo stuff. I forgot to mention that Danzig also fronted the band Samhain. So yeah, he's been involved with a lot of big kind of rock groups like this. To describe that bell buckle real quick, it's like a skull with, I guess, goat horns or, or ox horns or something on it. But what's interesting here is that Carl doesn't know who this is. He's like, what'd you say your name is again? And he's like, Danzig, motherfucker. But Carl likes classic rock and Danzig was big in the 80s and 90s. I don't understand why Carl wouldn't know who this is. I understand not liking his music or whatever, but you would think he would know who Danzig is. But long story short, Danzig is excited by the prospect of, you know, the, the blood all over the place. He wants to get it to flow upwards and he's going to line the pool with gargoyles and stuff like that. The two things I want to mention besides that is there's a part where the cybernetic ghost goes to speak and he raises his arm and it smashes through Carl's glass door, which so you'll, you heard that in the clip. It's, it's such a random touch because you don't even see his arm do it. You just assume that's what broke it because Danzig is standing in the way. So very funny little bit there. I'm surprised that they added something like that. And also, when they're outside, Danzig is standing next to the cybernetic ghost. And one shot, they're kind of close to each other. Then the next shot, Danzig has moved a bit away. So they don't ever show Danzig walking because, you know, why would they pay to animate this one-time character? But yeah, just I, I kind of noticed it while scrubbing through the, the scenes that he moves at a certain point, but they don't actually show him moving. And it doesn't really make sense why he would have moved, but he did. So Carl gets the million dollars and we cut to like later in the day or the next day or something like that. And we see Carl's house, but there's blood all over the place. There's sprinklers in the front yard, just spraying blood everywhere. And we hear some loud rock music coming from the inside. And it's revealed in the commentary that that music is Donald Hubbard which was Matt Malero's band, which I talked about a lot on the Patreon C-Lab 2021 episode for Legend of Baggy Pants. So if you're a patron, you've probably heard that. If not, check the free feed, guys, because I did include some information about that in a preview of that episode. So you can hear that right now where I talk about Donald Hubbard, Matt Malero's band that had music featured in C-Lab 2021 as well as some other Adult Swim shows. And I actually didn't know it was used in this episode. I'm glad that they had a commentary and Matt mentioned it because, you know, it's not in the credits or anything like that. So yeah, we open to that scene and then Danzig comes over to the Aqua Teen's house. So let's hear that short clip. Does he have to run those damn sprinklers all the time? It sure makes our house look a hell of a lot better, don't you think? I'm going to go talk to him. He's coming over here. Okay, get out of here. I'll handle it. Don't just go away. Meet one. Come on, hey, hurry. Butt wipe. Open up. So we hear that the Aqua Teens are kind of sick of Danzig being their neighbor, especially Frylock, because he's always blasting music. He's got those sprinklers on all the time, spraying blood everywhere. And Shake brings up the bright side of at least their house looks better. But, you know, it doesn't matter because they rent. I don't know if it's established at this point that they rent. Uh, that's my bad. I, I, I don't think that they've mentioned it yet, though. So I guess theoretically you could assume that they do own this house, which is why Shake would care. You know, I, I think that the writing staff didn't really think about this or care about this at that point. Uh, the writing staff being Matt Malero and Dave Willis. But yeah, I, maybe they didn't settle on what was going on here. So anyways, Danzig comes over. Shake opens the door. Let's hear this interaction. Hey, Danzig, how's yeah, it going, yeah, yeah. buddy? You guys seen my robot? Yeah, no, we, shut up. <laughs> we haven't seen him. Yeah, because I'm a little low on the blood front right now. And he's supposed to be hooking me up with that. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'll, I'll let you know if we see him. Hey, you want something to eat? I could go make you something in our haunted kitchen. 
it's established that the cybernetic ghost hasn't been seen by Danzig in some time because his blood supply is going low. And we hear Meatwad's like, yeah, we've seen him or whatever in the background. And Shake's like, shut up. So they know where he is. So we'll get back to that. But Shake is trying to pull off this scam where Danzig thinks that the Aqua Teen's house's kitchen is haunted because Shake wants to try and sell their house for a million dollars. Again, that lends to, to the idea that these guys own their house in, the, in this episode, at least. Because why would he care about selling the house if he doesn't own it, right? Like, he wouldn't be able to. So it seems, yeah, like, like in these early episodes, they owned their house. Anyways, continuing with the scene, we're going to see Meatwad. He's in the living room with a tarp over him, a blue tarp that's kind of nasty. There's stains and stuff on it, and, and eye holes are cut out. So he's supposed to be a ghost. They're going to try and make Danzig think that the house is haunted. <laughs> well, not to change the subject, but, but have you seen how low the interest rates on mortgages are right now? It's a buyer's market. Now look, listen to me as hard as you can. That robot came with the house and now he's gone. If you see that mother... Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll tell him. You better. If I find out he's over here, I'm going to be eating my cereal out of the bottom of your skull. Verstandlich? Okay. So... Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, Danzig does not fall for it. He doesn't care. They're, uh, sh- I assume Shake has turned the lights on and off to try and make it seem like it's haunted. But yeah, he does not fall for it. He's not stupid. And he's just pissed off that the robot isn't there because the blood supply is running low. Danzig's saying that he's going to be eating his cereal out of a bowl made from Shake's skull, which that would be a very large bowl considering how huge Shake's head is. I, I think that might be a little bit too much for Danzig. So ending the episode here, they call out the cybernetic ghost who is hiding at the Aqua Teen's house. Hey man, you can come out now. He's gone. I cannot live with that guy. He is so annoying. He is so frightening. And he doesn't wear a shirt. <laughs> you make our house bleed right now! That's Shake saying, you make our house bleed right now. I cut it because it kind of overlaps with the theme song at the end. So, yeah, cybernetic ghost is just sick of Danzig because he's, he's scary. He doesn't wear a shirt. All this stuff. And, yeah, kind of playing against cybernetic ghost's wishes or his expectations because he was kind of bullying Carl to an extent. But then when matched with somebody who likes what he's doing, then the cybernetic ghost does not like that situation anymore. But yeah, that's cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future. Classic, classic Aqua Teen episode. And, you know, just a great way to end the season that we got two Christmas episodes. And, uh, you know, besides the point, I'm, I'm glad I could release these coincidentally around Christmas time for this podcast. But yeah, I, I've always loved this one, and, and I grew up with this one, of course, because it was on the Volume 2 disc. Cybernetic Ghost, a great character. He just rambles on and on and on, and it's just so nonsensical and funny, and, and I like him being scared by Danzig and the fact that they got Danzig for this episode. Super tight episode. There's not anything I could think of that could be cut. And, you know, a lot of times on this show, like, they kind of change how the episode is towards the end, where most of it is Cybernetic Ghost and all the jokes with him because he's telling his stories and showing us stuff and all that good stuff. The end is like with Danzig. Like he takes over the episode kind of, but it's still funny. I still enjoy where that goes, which is something that they don't always pull off as well, I feel like. Anyways, I got to give this one five out of five gargoyles. It's just a, a great episode and a very fun one. I, I like all the drawings we get from Ben Prisk. Cybernetic Ghost is a classic Aqua Teen character, and having Danzig in the episode is just so out of left field and great. So before I sign off, I want to remind you guys again, if you would like to send me anything about your thoughts on season one as a whole, your favorite episodes, favorite moments, whatever, 
you know, I'll, I'll take anything and, and we can talk about all of this next week for our last episode of the year before we jump into season two of Aqua Teen. And of course, you know, I can't believe we're done with season one. I, I want to save this nostalgia stuff for, for the next episode. But yeah, it's been it's been great. And thank you guys for listening along. And yeah, if you like what I do, if what I do brings you value in any way, please consider supporting the show on Patreon for $5 and up a month. You get exclusive content. Or if you just want to throw a dollar my way once a month, that, that helps in itself. And you get other kind of goodies for that too. Like if you want to join our Discord, check the show notes to do that. You, you get like your role uh, based on your Patreon tier and all that stuff. And if you like the show and can't support it financially, just sharing it, talking about it with other people helps a ton. You know, it's been, it's been great. I really have loved getting to meet a lot of you guys. I can't believe we're done with the first season. This, it went by so fast. So we'll talk about this more in depth next week. So for the patrons, I will have that Oblongs episode up at some point this week, hopefully by Friday. Milo interrupted, so make sure you try and watch that episode before then if you want to kind of know what's going on. And yeah, until then, have a great holiday, guys. Whatever you celebrate, hope you're having a good time with your family. And hope you get lots of presents, lots of gifts, everything you wanted. I hope your mail order bride shows up. And I hope nobody gets haunted by the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future. See you guys next week for our season one retrospective of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Take it easy. Wouldn't you like to know? Probably your mama.